an elderly woman from the parish went to see her orthopedic surgeon on a Friday morning. She had been under his care and homebound for a few months after falling in her home and hurting her shoulder. Well, happily, the doctor gave her a clean bill of health during the office visit. She was looking forward to getting back to Sunday Mass and her normal everyday routine. But unfortunately, after she returned home that Friday, she tripped on a rug and fell again, this time breaking her pelvis and elbow. The surgeon's assistant later told me that when he received the call that this woman was in the emergency room at Westerly Hospital, he didn't believe it. He said to the nurse, oh no, that must be a mistake. We just discharged her from our care a few hours ago. But of course, it was not a mistake. It was life. For that elderly woman and for each and every one of us, life is a process. It's really a process of letting go. Sooner or later, for example, we all have to let go of many things. We have to let go of our physical health because of a fall or because of Parkinson's disease or cancer or heart problems or something else. It's not easy, just ask that woman. We all have to let go of loved ones when they die, which can be extremely difficult if we've loved the person deeply, was deceased, had them in our lives for a really long time. We have many funerals here at St. Pius of parishioners who die in their late 80s or 90s. The children of those parishioners are blessed to have had their parents in their lives for 60 or 70 years. That makes it all the more difficult for them to let go. When people retire, they have to let go of their work. As we move on in life, we have to let go of some of the activities, the recreational activities that brought us enjoyment in our younger years. We have to let go of the control we've had over our daily activities. Ultimately, we have to let go of what's most precious to us on this earth, just like Abraham did. Today's first reading, we hear that famous story of how God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac. But we need to be clear about it, my brothers and sisters. The test here was not, are you willing, Abraham, to kill your son for me? After all, we know that God never intended for Abraham to take his son's life. The test was about Abraham's willingness to let go. The Lord said to him, in effect, Abraham, are you willing to let go of your son Isaac? He's the child you waited for for so long, the child of the promise. You waited a hundred years to happen. You love him deeply. You treasure him. You treasure the special bond you have with him more than anything else you have in this life. So are you willing to let it all go? Are you willing to let go of what's most precious to you in this life and trust totally in me? We call Abraham our father in faith for a reason. It's because he said yes even though it had to have been the most difficult yes he said in his life. In one way or another, we all face the same test, do we not? Usually it involves somebody we love. But unfortunately, not everybody responds in the positive way that Abraham did. As I was preparing this homily, I thought of a scene from C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, which, by the way, is not about marriage. Great Divorce is a fictional book about an imaginary bus ride from hell to heaven. 
All the people in the bus have the opportunity to go to heaven, but only if they let go at some point on the journey. First and foremost, they have to be willing to let go of their sins through repentance, but they also have to be willing to let go of their attachments, their unhealthy attachments, their selfish attachments, people and things. At the same time, they have to be willing to grow with their desire for God. One person in the book who has trouble doing this is a woman named Pam, whose son Michael died when she was still living on earth. Her brother Reginald, who's already arrived in the kingdom, speaks to her at one point, and he challenges her to love God first and to let go of the selfish, manipulative, possessive love she had for her son when he was alive on earth. Reginald says to her, God wanted you to love Michael as he understands love. You cannot love a fellow creature fully until you love God. But Pam will hear none of it. She blames God for her son's death, and she refuses to let go of the anger and the disordered love she had for her child. It's a sad ending. Thankfully, other stories of the great divorce end much more happily. There's an old saying, most of us have heard it before. There's a great deal of truth in it. Let go and let God. Pam did neither of those things. Abraham did both. And because he did both, he was rewarded beyond what he could have possibly imagined. The Lord said to Abraham, I swear by myself that because you acted as you did, not withholding from me your only beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. That prophecy was fulfilled, as we all know, on the natural level, in that Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. I suppose he could have imagined that dimension, that natural dimension of the blessing. But as we all know, by making this promise, God was telling Abraham that he would become the spiritual father of all the redeemed. That's yet another reason why we call him our father in faith. Spiritually speaking, we all trace our lineage back to him. Now, there's no way that Abraham could possibly have understood that dimension, that spiritual dimension of the promise when he first heard it. But it was there. If we follow Abraham's example by letting go and by letting God take control of our lives, then we will, like Abraham, experience many blessings, sometimes even blessings better blessings, greater blessings than we can possibly imagine. When I think of my great role model for dealing with Parkinson's disease, Pope St. John Paul II, I think of what that illness forced him to let go of. His health, his skiing, he was a very good skier, his mobility, etc. Yet because he let God work in him and through him, when he was battling that disease, he did some of his most effective work in those later years of his life. That fact certainly gives me some encouragement for sure. Some of you, like that fictional woman Pam from The Great Divorce, have lost children. But in the process of dealing with their deaths, you've actually grown closer to God, stronger in your faith. You were forced to let go of someone who you love deeply, someone very precious to you. You had no choice in the matter. But you did have the ability to choose how you responded to that tragedy. And thankfully, you made the choice to let God. You made the choice to let God help you, console you, and strengthen you, and heal you, 
and give you hope. For that you have been greatly blessed. And if you persevere in that trusting faith, you'll be blessed beyond your wildest imaginings in eternity when God will reunite you with many of your deceased relatives and friends. Life is a process of letting go. And as such, it provides us with many, many opportunities to let God. May the Lord help us to take advantage of those opportunities in imitation of Abraham and John Paul II and all the other great saints of the past.